At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Well, Luke chapter 8 is the passage we're going to be in today. It's kind of weird that on a, a, a day that we're... Uh, kind of starting out, figuring out this, uh, this new facility and new COVID uh, safeguards and such things that we start a sermon series. Uh, but that's what we're doing today. And actually, it's really appropriate that we are starting this series today because we're looking at the parables of Jesus. This is, this is when he begins speaking in parables, according to Luke's account. And it was right after Jesus invited the 12 disciples to, to follow him. And there was a few other women that had been healed by Jesus that gathered in that troop. And then as he traveled town to town, it was that crew that was following him. So, so this is when Jesus begins to speak in parables. And so it's kind of like this is our ministry team. Like the, the team that listened to this parable was his, your ours. So this really, this really is a good thing, a good thing to start. Um, as I said, we're, go we're going to begin looking at some of the stories that Jesus told. Stories are powerful. Have you noticed that? That stories have, someone once said, information comes into the front door of your life, stories come in the back door. Think of David, King David. Right? Did so many wonderful things, except he also had that experience with Bathsheba. And stealing somebody else's wife, um, having her husband killed. Tragic story. So the prophet Nathan comes to him with information or a story? A story. What if, what if Nathan would have come to David and said, David, the report is you stole someone's wife and you killed her husband. Oh, he could have kicked him out of the throne. He could have killed him. But David's heart was prepared because Nathan said, David, I got a story for you, bro. And came through the back door of his life, told a story that seemed to create a space in his heart for truth to come in. It kind of diffuses some of the emotions raises some of the other emotions so that the information that he shared maybe is a bit more receptible. Information is important. All right? I mean, Jesus said uh, that we are set free by his truth. He said to sanctify us, Lord, with your truth. And then he says, your word is truth. Jesus came to speak grace and truth. Jesus was all about information and concepts. But so much of what he taught came through the form of story. Story is one of those things that we as human beings can experience because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're physical and spiritual and emotional and relational. And as we tell stories, all those things are tapped. I don't know if your family likes to tell stories. I remember, I fondly remember those times when my kids were littler and you put them to bed and they say, will you lay with me? They don't do that anymore. 
Um, I say they should, but they don't. Uh, will you lay with me? So, so you lay with them, and they say, well, you tell me a story. And then you love telling stories about when we were kids or when they were littler. Now with grandkids like Judah and Liam, as we let, put them to bed and tell them a story, I love to tell them stories about their mama when she was little. <laughs> we just have that delight in story. Stories move us emotionally and they move us cognitively. There's this cool thing that happens. Our emotions and our thinking is both affected with story. Jesus' stories in the Bible by the gospel writers, they're called parables. They're stories with a purpose. We're calling this series Revealed Stories with a Purpose. These stories that Jesus told have an intention to produce life change in the hearer. So the passage today we're going to look at is Luke 8, starting in verse 4. Verse 4 reveals that a great, cloud of a great crowd of people were gathering and people from town after town came to him. So he spoke this parable. And we could call this parable the tale of the four soils. But in this story, in this tale, we see that a heart that truly receives the word of God reveals the work of God. If your heart will receive the word of God, you will see the work of God take place. That's the point of this story. So let's, let's get into that. This is the tale of the four soils. Verse 4 says, A great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seeds. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some seeds fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. He said these things, and then he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the story. The story is about seed that was planted, right? As it was sown, it, you have this image of this guy with a bag of seed, and he would carefully throw the seed along the field where he was planting. There's four types of ground that receive the seed. There was the path, right, where the, where the farmer was walking. There was the rocky soil. There was the weedy soil. And then there was the good soil. And as the story describes, the seed that fell on the path had no place to go. It was a hard surface. The birds come after the farmer, pluck up the seed, and eat it. The rocky soil was probably very common in that part of Galilee. It was a very rocky terrain. In the rocky soil, the seed sprouted, but because there is no moisture, the seed just sprouts and then withers. The weeds, that's where they sprouted. The soil was good. The problem was there was weeds in competition to the seed, and so the, the, the growth was dwarfed in its, in its uh, 
progress because the weeds choke the plants. And then there's the good soil. The good soil is where the seed sprouted, it grew, and it produced an abundant harvest. Pretty simple story. Certainly John understands. John, our farmer in the house. Chemical engineer, which is it? Or, or is, are you an engineer? Are you a farmer or an engineer? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> right, so, so a simple story. We all have the picture. Even though we're not in the agriculture culture, we still feel like, yeah, I, I get that picture. But then Jesus uses that phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What in the world was he talking about when he gives that phrase after this parable? Raise your hand if you have heard the Hebrew word Shema. Have you heard that word, Shema? Shema is a word that is used to describe a very important prayer of the Jewish people. It's recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That was a prayer the Jewish people offered to God in the morning and in the evening. They call it the Shema. That word Shema is the word for the first word of that phrase. Hear, O Israel. Shema means to hear. At least in a, in a general sense, or in some sense. The Hebrew language, now I, don't, don't assume too much of me. I've never taken a Hebrew language class. All right, that's one of the elements of my training that I just have never had. But the, what I do know is the Hebrew language is often considered a language-poor or a word-poor language. In other words, there's not a lot of words in biblical Hebrew. There's only 8,000, about 8,000 words in the Hebrew Bible. Where compared to English, we have about 400,000 words. So there's not a lot of words to biblical Hebrew. So all the words have a broader meaning. So you've got this word that could mean this, 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 or this, depending on the context. In Hebrew, in the Old Testament, when you read the word here, often, I would say even most often, we translate it into the English as obey. So hear or shema means I heard something, but more than just hearing it, I'm doing something because of it. Right, parents, you get that, right? Kids, did you hear me? Yes. Okay, so why, why isn't the trash taken out? Right, so when you say, I want you to hear me when I tell you, you have this sense that you want them to hear it cognitively process it, physically act on it, right? That's that word, and that's what Jesus is quoting. He's quoting actually Isaiah chapter 6 when, when God speaks through Isaiah to say, here's what will happen. People will hear and they will not do. They will see, but they will not see. So here Jesus says, Everybody that's hearing this parable, this will test whether you're really hearing this parable. If you have ears to hear, then hear. Or in other words, obey, do something 
with this. So that, in in essence, helps us understand parables. Secondly, parables defined. In verse 9, it says, When his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, Well, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. For others, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Sounds like Jesus was kind of being harsh to some people. Well, I'm telling you this story so that you get it, but they don't. And there's a sense of that, but more accurately, Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this story because if you have a heart to hear, you'll embrace it. If you don't have a heart to listen to me, then it's not going to make any sense to you. So my parables will reveal the condition of your heart. So the big question with this parable is, what kind of soil are you? Right? We, we, we understand that. So this is a cool little parable. It's one of the first ones Jesus rec- or Luke records Jesus telling. And Jesus gives the full explanation of the parable. So you don't need the doctoral degree to understand this parable. We get it. All right? This is all of us. We'll understand this. But the parable is this. Verse 11. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard... And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and the time of testing, they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns or the weeds, they are those that hear the word, But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So the path refers to those people that hear the word of God have no intention of doing anything with it. It's like Teflon. Hits them and bounces right off. There's been many experiences in in my ministry where people would come to me and they'd say, I'm so thankful for this place, for this ministry, for what God's doing in my life. I'm telling you, it's like God has opened my eyes for the very first time. And so then they go and they invite their friends and and their friends, because they like them, they come with them to church. And they tell me that afterwards, they say, so what do you think? And their friends say, "Uh, all right, it's not really my thing. Which causes them such such confusion of why? Why does it seem to explode into my heart, but then my friends come and they say, well, it didn't do anything for me. Does anybody have any of that? Have you experienced that with with other people? Or you've got a family member that, that you just know. I mean, God has become so real to you and you know that abundant life is truly a promise that's fulfilled by God. And then you share it with someone. And it's just like water off a duck's back. It just hits and falls off. 
I think the parable of the seed or the soil helps us understand. Some just don't have that heart to understand it. It's a, it's a hard heart that is pushing away the word of God. And then there's the, there's the rocky soil. On the rocky soil, the word of God comes into someone's life and, and it kind of enters what maybe you would call it a shallow heart. That it did move them emotionally and they thought, yes, that would be something good and I like that. But it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. Sunday is wonderful. Sunday afternoon is great. But by Tuesday, it's kind of back to the same old, same old life. And then there's that question later they have in their life is, okay, so is that, is that real? Or is that just an emotional thing? The thorny soil, this is the soil that really is, as I mentioned, a good soil. It's just distracted. It's that adding Jesus to my life, right? So this is my life. I like it. Something's missing. Well, maybe I'll add Jesus to that. So I'll put him in this pocket and I got my stuff in this pocket. And the faith journey just doesn't seem to go anywhere because he's an add-on instead of the center. That a heart isn't transformed. A heart is more just, just nudged. And there's that desire to, to have all that the world offers. And boy, the stuff that Jesus offers would be an extra special thing. But as we know, because of the pressures of this world and the allurement of the things of the now, the things of faith, that you're believing that one day will be, those things just get pushed down and and drowned out by the pressures of the world. And then the good soil, that good soil is that heart that says, this is life. Some of you have felt that. Some of you feel that now. That, that recognition that God is everything. He's the only thing that satisfies. And sure, he blesses me with all these things, but I don't look to those things ultimately to satisfy. It's only in him. If he takes all of this away, he's still enough. That if the, as the prophet says, if the olive tree doesn't produce any olives, and if the vines don't produce any grapes, and if my cattle don't produce any offspring, still, He's worthy to be praised because he is enough. So Jesus tells the story and poses that question to the disciples. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. The question is, is your heart intending to move according to what he has said? But here's the problem. You can't change your heart. You can't change someone else's heart. You can't change your own heart. That apart from the mysterious supernatural work of God, you're just destined for a natural response, which is not understanding 
the things of God. Religion's not going to solve it. Reopening church isn't going to solve that. Working hard, getting up every morning, spending time in the Bible, that's not going to open your heart. We cannot change our heart. Ezekiel chapter 36, God makes clear. He says, and I will give you a new heart. I'll give you the new heart. I'll take away that heart of stone and I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. And with that heart of flesh, now there's that softness. Now there's that, there's that fertility that when the word of God comes into your life, now the soil just swallows it whole. And because it's fertile soil that God has created, now they're sprouting and there's, the roots go down deep, harvesting the nutrients that God's providing because the heart is ready to receive it. So that, that would cause all of us to say, okay, so how do I do this? Do I just sit back and wait and hope that maybe I'm good soil? Maybe I'm not. And maybe that's why I come to church and my friends say, wow, isn't that great? And I come away thinking, not really. Because it's, I mean, it's like an hour and 15 minutes and you kind of sit there and the chairs at the school were better then these hard things, like it's not comfortable, there's no coffee. <laughs> it is so awesome that Jesus, as you'll see, continues to tell these stories with the expectation that the hearers will position their heart for God to powerfully move. There's this incredible human divine cooperative where God initiates. There's no way that you're just going to suddenly be receptive to the word unless God steps in and he begins to produce that change. But in his word, there seems to be this other aspect of your positioning your heart, your opening your heart to him to understand and to hear. So it's a posture of surrender. That's, that's really what it, what it comes down to. Is am I going to surrender myself so that the Father can grant to me that brand new heart that he wants to provide? So maybe you're here today because somebody made you. <laughs> maybe some of the kids are here because parents said, no, this is what we're doing. We're helping out. This is what we do. Maybe their spouse is here. Maybe you're here because it's your building. Maybe you're here because you're on staff. And that's why you're here. It's not an intention, not an eagerness to absorb what God has to say to you today. You're just here because this is, this is what you do. You desperately need the Holy Spirit to break that heart of stone and recreate in you a heart of flesh. Really, it's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We want to pray for you because we know that is the answer. And we know that in your human heart, there's, a, there's, 
God's created you with a sense of eternity. And we would love to pray that God would soften that heart and he would transfer to you a new heart. Maybe you've, you've had some of those tough times and maybe you're here, although you're willing to serve, but you honestly would have to say, yeah, but I'm pretty close to bailing. Because life is really hard and it just doesn't seem that if God was really who the Bible said he was, these things wouldn't happen to me. Or maybe you said, I've given my life to Jesus and things that I don't want to happen still happen. Can I remind you that roots need to go deep? And there are, there are those pressures in this world. Jesus said there will be trouble in this world. There will be experiences that happen that will cause pain in your life. But don't be troubled because I've overcome the world. So let me encourage you to, to put that effort into the word, to, to recognize that my soul needs more than emotional movement. My soul needs the timeless truths and I need to learn them and cling to them because his truth will hold me fast in times of trouble. Maybe you're here because you want Jesus too. Maybe, maybe the, this world has a lot to offer and you want that, and if you can have Jesus too, that's kind of the best of both worlds kind of thing. Can I warn you? that that Christian experience cannot last. It eventually will reveal, unless God changes that heart, that, event, God, that life eventually will reveal that that soil was not the soil that can truly produce that eternal life. Can I caution you that if you seek first the kingdom of God, First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those things can be cared for, but it requires you to seek him first. And if you are here today because you are deeply in love with Jesus and you've experienced tough times and you've experienced um, the, the, the hardship of life and yet your, your love for him is true and sincere and deep and it's growing, not that you're perfect, not that you always have that emotional high, but that you know that your feet are grounded in his love and you know that his arms are wrapped around you and you have that authentic desire to follow him. Can I encourage you to pray that God, God would guard your heart? Because there are certainly those temptations out there that if we don't continue to seek his face, continue to grow, we will find ourselves distracted. So the ultimate purpose of this story as Jesus told, was to begin to filter through the crowd. Right? There was 12 that he chose and there were some women that he healed and they were moving from town to town. The crowds were gathering and Jesus said, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to filter out who's real. Some of you, you're hearing my words and it's bouncing right off. You just wanted to join them to see what was up. Some of you, you're just ready for the next show. 
this is a cool show. You'll do this for a while until that gets old. Then you go do that for a while. Then that, that will get old. Some of you in that group, some of you are in this group that you're all in, but then trouble is going to hit and then you're going to fade away. And man, when you think of the story of Jesus, that not happen. When from that day forward, it says that many people stopped following him because pressure came. So Jesus was telling the story to help filter through. I know, now, I know you're a ministry team. Some sense, I'm preaching to the choir, but I think if we're honest with each other, I'm not sure we're fully choir boys or girls, right? That, that sometimes we struggle. And this is a beautiful day for us to say, God, return me to my first love. The world desperately needs us to be fully committed to him. We need teenagers that are fully committed to him. As you head into this next season of life, as you go into young adulthood, there will be worldviews that are thrown at you that are going to, if you're not careful, will make sense. And it will be completely contrary to the word of God. That's what we're seeing right now in this culture. You watch the news and you see some of the crazy conclusions that communities are going to and young people are going to. Many of them grew up in the church. They just didn't have time where they anchored their soul in the truths of God. So you, you see problems, you hear this radical um, explanation, and you think, well, that must make sense. And you jump into that and it takes you in such places of heartache. So now is the time to anchor your soul in truth. Some of you are coming out of a time where you've struggled with relationships during this COVID season. You live so close to one another, it's, you're driving each other nuts. Anybody? Anybody not have that experience? <laughs> yeah, that's a good time for a faith to be tested. Say, God, am I, am I in this for the long haul? Because this is real. Life is hard. God is good, and his truth endures forever. We're going to sing in just a moment. Um, I'm so thankful for the worship team. Hope you enjoyed the weeks off. No more weeks off for you guys. Back to work. One of the things my mom said, I said, we're, we're getting back together. She said, are you sure? Because once you're back, you're back for good. So, oh yes, we're back. We're back for good. Anyway, we're going to sing. It's a beautiful song for us to consider. Our, is our heart truly at the altar of God saying, again, Lord, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to you. I give you my life as a full living sacrifice. I want my heart to be good soil. Create in me a new heart. Let's stand together and sing. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.